Alright, we're live, we're recording. Welcome, ladies and gents, to the Tangents Podcast. This is our segment called pa- or pa- Panels on Pages. I can't speak for some reason. Panels on Pages, where we talk about comics, and today we have a very, very special episode. We're talking with Frank Martin, creator of the Modern Testament from Insane Comics. If you guys have listened to this, if you guys watched us, the po- the, the, the blog, anything... We've talked to we've talked to Insane Comics before. We're big fans of Insane Comics around here in T3G, and uh, this is a new book that is well, a new trade that's coming out on Kickstarter. The Kickstarter is live right now. We're gonna be talking about that. Frank, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, but I hate to burst your bubble, but Insane Comics is no more. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> James Munch, publisher of Insane Comics, he he closed up shop. Uh, I would say two weeks before the Kickstarter launched. Oh, how did I miss that? I don't know, but uh, but yeah. So you can say formally of insane comics. Former, wow, formerly of insane comics. All right, wow, that is. Uh... I, I didn't let that stop me. I plowed straight ahead with the Kickstarter, so I'm kind of I'm printing it myself, and uh, and yeah, we're doing well so far. Oh my goodness! Well, I'm way glad... to drop a bomb in the middle of the podcast. Jeez, ah, right? Seriously. I'm glad, you know what, I'm glad that didn't stop you, though. I'm glad that didn't slow you down. Obviously, you're, you're really passionate about putting this book out. No, uh, I, I roll with the punches. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Uh, what, let, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about your start in comics. Where, where originally, uh, what was your first book? Is this your first book? Have you, have you done books it's before? My, it's my first, I would say it's my first book. I mean, I've had a couple short stories that were published, and this isn't really like a complete series it's just more short stories but they're all mine so i guess i could call it my first book what what drew you to comics i mean like a lot of people grow up reading comics and they're always like oh i'm gonna be a comic book artist i mean i know i for a long time thought i was gonna go into comics i wanted to i wanted to go in and uh and take over marvel uh that was my uh my be all goal (laughs) to do that at some at some point Every little kid who reads Marvel wants to say, I want to be in charge. I want to come up with stories for all these characters. But, yeah, I mean, I, I always read comics growing up. I love the characters. I've always wanted to write um, about the characters. But I was traditionally more of a regular author, a short story, more of a prose writer. And that's kind of my budding writing career was kind of focused on that. But as I did that, I continued to write. I continued to read comics. So at some point in time, I was kind of like, you know what? I like writing, I like reading, uh, I like comics. Let me try writing comics. So I um, I put the two together, and it, in those early stages, it was a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. But uh, but I learned, and I I I try to get better, and kind of here we are today. And I'm glad I stuck with it. Absolutely, man. That, that's that's uh, it's good, glad I'm glad to hear that. Um, that is uh, it. What was um, sorry? I'm just trying to find the right words here. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the catalyst for for you to go from 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 prose to to comics? I mean, it's it's I, I would say it's it, in many ways it's a different medium. It, it, it kind of there's a lot of stuff that you don't have to do in prose that you do have to do in in comics. You have to you know instruct your artist. You have to you know the the stuff that you would normally just. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what was this? How? What was the? I can't I mean, think. It, I can't it's think. kind of weird in the way because it's a give and take. Some stuff is a hell of a lot easier 
some stuff is a hell of a lot harder. For instance, uh, as a writer writing a script, uh, the audience is never really going to see my words. So I'm not so picky about, uh, I would say, the artistic form of the sentence that I'm creating, if that makes any sense. It doesn't really have it doesn't have to be too pleasing to the eye because it's not the finished product. It's not going in a book. Right. But uh, at the same token, because uh, I need to write for an artist, I might focus on certain details that have to be in the panel. Whereas if I was writing a story, those details aren't really that important. They can just be in the background or I can mention them later. Or I'd, you, Your focus is, is shifted in, in how the story is presented. But it, when you break it all down i mean the basics of storytelling are still there you still have to focus on building characterization and and having a running theme throughout the story and making sure the setting lines up so the fundamentals are still there it's just basically how you craft them in in terms of pacing that is can vary differently definitely definitely i, I was going to say uh as far as like giving instruction to an artist now there is there there's a couple different methodologies that i've seen over the years uh there is you know what's what's normally referred to as the marvel way where you give panel by panel instructions and there's kind of the dc way where it's like this is what happens on this page and you kind of go nuts with it and people have kind of a a a range of of methods in between but those are kind of the two polar opposites like do, do you focus more on a panel by panel instruction i think i do mainly panel by panel i mean there are times when uh, if it's if it's not such a strict panel format on a page, I might be a little bit more fluid in, in how I explain it and let the artist come up with how they want to do it. And at the same token, I'm not artistically trained. I know how to tell a good story, at least I think I do, but I don't know what's appeasing to the eye as far as art style and how things are laid out. So if I break it down in a certain number of panels and format it and lay out a certain particular way. Oh, we got phones. Sorry. Yeah. If, so if I'm if I'm laying it out a certain way and the artist says this is this is stupid, it's not going to look right to the eye. Let me do it this way. I have no problem with an artist overruling me from an artistic standpoint as far as what's going to look well, as long as as long as the the basic parameters of the pacing is intact and the story uh, the story itself works gotcha that yeah that definitely i i understand what you're saying there with uh there's there's a couple different options as far as how to go about it for sure um now let's let's get into the modern testament and my, my sample here it's got the insane logo on it now you know i'm a little gonna be a little emotional I, about I, it through a curveball <laughs> um where well yeah they put out the first four volumes of the book sure so all the copies that I have that I'm going to be selling at conventions, they're kind of they're going to be dinosaurs because they're all going to be still have the insane logo on them. They're going to be collector's editions at this point, man. Yeah, <laughs> you start start racking up the price, you know. And five dollar copies are now ten dollars, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna, people are going to be walking down the they're like, why is your comic book twenty five dollars? You don't know what this is. <laughs> you don't know. You haven't heard. Uh. What is what is the the pitch? What is the the concept behind? It? Obviously, we have a little bit here on the screen. Uh, biblical beings, although ancient and iconic, struggle struggle to be understood and find their place in today's society. Humans have ha, humanity has changed since their creation during the days of antiquity, and they, along with it, these title these tales chronicle them on 
on their journey of self-worth and purpose. Their stories of discovery we're currently writing every day in our own modern testament. It's a little, it's a little lofty. That's a little conceptual. A little, I could, I could break it down a lot simpler than that. <laughs> so, it's very simple. Modern Testament takes mythological creatures around, I would say, biblical mythology. So angels, demons. Uh, I use a golem. We got uh, behemoth, leviathan, just creatures and beings of, of that sort. And there's short stories centered around placing these characters in a modern setting. So let's say similar to the show Lucifer or Ghost Rider or Constantine or any of those other types of supernatural comics that you got that involve demons and angels and such. So it's basically um, short, quick one-shots, short stories. Uh, I think the shortest is five pages, the longest uh, 11 or 12 pages. Uh, isolated stories of just taking those characters and, and putting them in their own plots and their own settings and 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 rolling with it and see how they they handle gotcha gotcha and uh is this is it something more uh, i mean is it more specific to biblical characters specifically from from like the judeo christian bible or is it something where it's you know a lot of a lot more variety uh, going into like greek and roman mythology things like that I wanted to stay clear of the, I, I guess what I call them the classical mythology. So we don't have any Greek or Norse gods or Egyptian gods, uh, but at the same token, it's not, it's not strictly Christian mythology. We got the golem, which is obviously a creature from Jewish mythology, sure. and I have a story based around jinn, which is uh, from Islamic mythology. So I kind of, I kind of spread it out a little bit in the same kind of Abrahamic traditions, but for the most part, that's where it's they're, they're centered on. Okay. See, I like that. I like the variety. Now, when approaching these stories, are you looking to relate a like a specific lesson from the Bible or just like a specific lesson in general? Or do you say, man, it'd be a really cool thing to have like an angel in a bar and start a bar fight? Like, where, like how does it start like for you? The process? So my, my basic process is uh, first I have to find... A biblical being. I was kind of when I when I first uh, undertook this this endeavor. I was like, "There's so many biblical beings to choose from," and then I actually got into the thick of it, looking. I'm like, "There's really not that many to choose from." I mean, so so first I had to find which ones I wanted to do, and then after I did that, I looked into their history and 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 their backstory and uh, the original text and what kind of where they were fitting in as far as the myths go, what they were about, what was their purpose, what was their form. I got down to the root core of their character, of their theme, the perp their purpose for me. And then I kind of transposed that into a modern setting and kind of figured how would they react or how they fit and feel in today's society. And from there, they, they, the stories kind of, they kind of wrote themselves as far as how I wanted it to play out and and the plots as far as what I wanted to have happen. So the angel in a bar, uh, that was kind of, I kind of figured, what's the point of an angel? So an angel, they're kind of supposed to be humanity's protectors. They're kind of going to feel um, like they have to uh, prevent us from harm. And, and, um, and in many ways, the way uh, when angels were first, I guess, dreamt up or from olden times, People have changed a lot, and so I kind of thought to myself, how would an angel react to that? And I thought maybe he would be kind of depressed 
and where do you press people go? Where they usually go to a bar and they start taking shots. That's so, fair. That's fair. And, and and then the story kind of just rolls from there. So that's kind of a little glimpse of how these um, premises came about. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I I gotta say. So I I, I said earlier. Uh, before we started recording, I wanted to read only a couple because I didn't want to give away everything. I, I when I when I fall in love with something, I'm just always I just start talking about all the cool moments, and I didn't want to talk about you know the the stories further in. I wanted to talk about the first couple. We be talking about campaign promises and fallen angel primarily, uh, but you've got what is it like seventeen? There's, I can't there's remember. 15, fifteen stories. So the way it worked was there were four volumes that were put out by Insane. They had three stories each, so that's twelve. Um, Insane also put out two uh, digital shorts that were for free comic book day. Mm. They're in the book as well, so that's their first time in print. And then as you mentioned, Campaign Promises, uh, that's a trade-exclusive book. So the first time it's anywhere is, is inside the trade. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It, I, I love Campaign Promises. I have to tell you, it, 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 it's one of those things that I always tell people, I'm like, you know what? I would vote for the first person that was just super honest about whatever they wanted to do like i i laughed like you know we had so many reasons for you know let's say like the the war in the middle east like we had so many reasons for going places and doing things and i'm just like if you just came out and told me like hey we're gonna go over there and we're gonna put our foot down and take the oil by force i'd have, yeah, been, we, I'd we, have we, been like all right that's fair like <laughs> like if that's what you want to do that's, a, that's 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 your decision <laughs> like you're in that position it's, it's kind of it's kind of weird because there's so many there's 15 stories and I didn't really want to stick to one particular I guess I would call it tone throughout the book so in campaign promises it's kind of a satirical story but it's the only story in that entire book that has that particular tone I mean I got stories in there that's that's uh, like gory horror then there's psychological horror and then there's a story that's a little bit comedic and then i got ones that's suspense and thriller so the fact that that's the first story in there and you're reading you really don't know what to expect as you keep uh going through these different stories so it's kind of it's, it's kind of awesome that you thought that that one was a great one. Oh, for sure and, and, and i love the kind of juxtaposition of like this like you said very satirical going into the the second story the fallen angel uh, where it's a the artwork is way more gritty, so I love the the style change in general. Uh, but then the tone is completely different. You know, like this guy, you can tell right off the bat he's he's going through some stuff. Like it's not it's not the kind of really like it's happy not- go lucky kind of <laughs> what was going on in the in the first one, even though the world ends. You know, like. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a gear shift, and then and then the gear, and then as soon as you're done with that story, the gear shifts again. So it's that's what I, I liked about creating this book is that I had fun doing because I got to jump around to all many different stories that were so different in styles and and artwork and tones. So it was it was a lot of fun to put together. Now, yeah, it, you could definitely see like there, there's there's a lot uh, a lot of thought to it like across the board. Both like both stories that I read were fantastic. Uh, but for very different reasons. I mean, I, I like the second one. It it goes more into a, a like a lesson learned kind of thing, uh, and I I dig that. But I also like the little intricacies of it, where the, like the last line is Lucifer saying like, "Hey, I don't want the competition." And I was like, "Wow!" Like, th- like I feel like Lucifer would do something like that, you know? Like, <laughs> hey, um, I'm not really trying to like fight anybody for from my property here, so I'm gonna put you back on your right path. <laughs> Yeah, that was um that that story went through a couple different uh a couple different versions. So in the in the original script of that story, 
Lucifer was actually uh, the bartender. Mm. Okay. So I kind of the way I envision it is the kind of cliche, stereotypical: a guy's drinking at a bar and he's pouring his heart out to the bartender. For sure. And it didn't really work the same way. I mean, the, the beats of the story are pretty much the same. Uh, but but yeah, it was that that was that was the very first story that I wrote. So I put campaign promises first because that's the um, that's the trade that's the exclusive. So I wanted to give people people something new right up front. For sure. So but but, but so it's kind of weird that I never even thought about it. That the, the very last story I wrote for the book comes right before the very first story I wrote for the book. So no, it's awesome. So I think the the first three panels. It, it, it definitely brings you in. I understand that you know there's different stories and different tones and everything like we talked about, but I think just psychologically, I love like the third panel. That's right. Which I'm the anti of, of campaign promises. The first three panels okay. of campaign promises, and like it ends with that's right. I'm the antichrist, and as of this moment, I'm running to be your next president. And it's <laughs> it's just so blatant and in your face, and I'm just like. All right, let's see where this goes. Like, I'm interested. I'm already in, and and I dig it because even though there's a, a tonal shift, it's it, like I'm already sold. Like, I, I'm already in. That's that's. I was talking to my cousin about this. We were watching uh, what was it, King Arthur, and I I I laughed because towards the end the graphics kind of fall apart. Like the CG budget like really fell off, and I was like, he really like really 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 sold the movie on the first five minutes because the first five minutes you have these giant elephants there's this huge like magic battle and like whole bunch of stuff's going on but it looks great right it's it's a hard hard sell on the movie like if you're in for that you're in for the rest it doesn't matter if it doesn't look as good so that's why i laugh like I, and i like i like the first so i dig that the first story is the uh the the unique one like it's it's unique to this trade you, you know no one's seen it before so buying the trade you're already getting something no one else has purchased I like. I dig that. I dig. I dig the whole setup. I love it. Yeah, and campaign promises was fun to put together. It was. I mean, obviously, I have the Antichrist running for president. So I've done a couple interviews with people, and they say this was your political story. I'm like, okay. If you want <laughs> to, uh, if you want to like that, right? I was gonna really say, like, much. I guess if you can think about it that way, sure. Like, I, I, mean, I, I didn't get that out of it at all. I wouldn't say it wasn't politically inspired, but it was. It, it's it's not really uh, it wasn't overtly um, any political message that I and it, I don't want people to connect it thinking I, that it was kind of connect the dots for them. I could totally see where like I'm sure someone made the comparison like oh the Antichrist is Trump. I didn't <laughs> see that at all, and like I think a lot of people are taking swings at that. I think a lot of people are taking because it's an easy swing to take at this point. It's a like, very easy. Most people don't like them, so it's easy to be like ha ha ha. Here's a poke at Trump. Like it's super easy to do that. And so, I would like had I seen had, like had I seen that I would totally have brought it up. But like I didn't feel that at all. It it just really felt like completely unrelated to what's going on in reality. The political inspiration that I drew from the book wasn't necessarily Trump himself, but it was a lot of the the, the people, the crowds that he was drawing. So the I would say the connection wasn't really between Antichrist and the Trump. It was more between uh, uh, Trump's crowds and the Antichrist crowds. That was that right. was the political connection that it was kind of. I love that together. he's honest. Like, but he's going to kill us all. Eh, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. I guess. But at least he's honest about it. Like. <laughs> 
Like it's so it's so great. I, I love the God bless you, sir. I'm probably not eligible for that, but the sentiment is appreciated. Like you got some nice one liners there. I, I dig it. And and I just love that like upon upon the victory, buckle your seatbelts, Armageddon starts today. And I love the the T V click. Cause that was another that's like another like subversive element in the in the story. Like when you see stuff like that, when it's because obviously like the panels are formatted a certain way, like it's meant to look like TV. And I get that, but I feel like it's something that's it's not so overt. Like it's not like, hey, this is you know, TV spots. But it's I wanted it's, to do something really different. Well. I wanted to have a little fun with it. So the 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 make formatting it like somebody's clicking through the channels and TV was my way of kind of throwing a little flair into the story. So it's not just um so it, so that it, it's not just some random scenes, you know? Right, right. I feel you. No, and and it works really well. Like I said, it 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 plays in such a way that like you don't it, you don't think about it, but then when when it lands on that final click, I love it. Like it's a perfect it's a perfect stop. Because it, it's it's like you know you're consuming all this, you're clicking through everything, and at the end, like you get the final end, like you turn the TV off. I love it, but it's also like the symbolism of like my my first thought there was like, oh, he like killed everyone right there. Like, that was, like, that was literally it. that was it. That was it. He said it starts today. That was it. That was the end of the days. <laughs> like so, I it, it plays like really really well on a lot of levels. I dig it. Now, um, as far as the art, like obviously there's different art styles throughout the book. Uh, was this something that, like, did you pick art styles or how did that play out? So, um, the way I did it is I went through, I finished all scripts first and then I sought out art styles that I think would best fit the tone of that story. So it wasn't like I had an art, an art team, uh, I didn't try to fit the story to the art team. I tried to find an art team that would fit the story. Right. So I kind of, that's the way I went for it. And it was... I like the way I did that because because there's so many different stories in this book. When I was doing it, I wasn't saying I'm going to write 15 stories. Let me fight artists. It was they were short, um, mainly short bursts because all the volumes only had three stories in them. So I had to think that I want to do uh, all of the three stories in each book to be wildly different. And in the process of doing that, I created a whole series of, of stories. That were even more widely different than than the ones that they were just contained with. So it's it's nice overarching feel of uh, of dif- different artistic flavors. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm scrolling through it right now. Like it, it, I don't feel like any one is the same as any of the previous ones. I love it. Like I love. Uh, I actually participated in an anthology uh, recently, uh, and it, it's similar in, in execution where there was just a bunch of different art styles and a bunch of. Uh, bunch of different creators so I, I i dig the the difference in and i like that you, you paired off uh specific to the story i you know it, it's a lot of people don't necessarily think of like what's it what's gonna look good for the story that i'm trying to tell um mm-hmm. you know I, I completed my first uh first comic book script not was it last year it was last year early last year i finished my last like my first full comic book script uh, was my, the first arc of the comic I want to put out, and I've been looking at artists. I've been, you know, like talking to a bunch of different artists, and I get to a point where I'm like, like it's good, but like I really want this to look like this kind of way. So it's, I, it's I appreciate tough, that. It's a tough decision. Yeah, for because, sure. Um, you, it's it's kind of a give and take because you got to find somebody not only who 
whose art style that you like, but who that you have enough trust in their story artistic storytelling ability, or I should say visual storytelling ability, that they're not only going to be able to give you the style that you want, but that they're going to be able to display um, the story, the actions on the page in a manner that that go that whatever changes that they feel need to be made that you're going to have trust in those changes right you can't someone that you're like yeah it looks good i'll, I'll let you do it but i'm not quite sure that you're you're, you're good enough you know you, right. you got to really ha give someone that give someone your script that you have trust in. for sure for sure yeah because at the end of the day like you've got a certain way you've got you want it to look in your head like you've you've as, a, as the writer you like you visualized how this is going to be how this is going to play out so like to, to kind of switch out of that and be like, all right, well, it's close enough. And yeah, like you said, I think it's, if, if you got to have that trust, you got to be able to say like, I dig this, I dig your style. Like I, I appreciate the way you, t you, you visualize the story. So like, yeah, it's got, it's got to all kind of come together. For me, story and characters is always the most important thing. So they can, if they want, they can completely throw out whatever page that I've, developed and completely write it the same way that whatever uh, draw it this whatever way they want mm -hmm. but as long as it it flows and it doesn't compromise the integrity of the story of the characters then i'm good i really don't care what happens as long as as long as that um that flow still makes sense and it's still good yeah for sure for sure yeah and that and that's like you said where that trust comes in like if you're if, you, if you're confident in the artist and you're confident in what's what they're going to be able to bring to the table like they can like you you, you can you can put it, put hands off that. Like you can take your hands off of that, let it let it drive itself at that point. Like as long as the story is good, as long as the characterization is good. It'll... Of, I came from a little bit of a strength too, because in most anthologies, as you said, it's a, a group of people coming together. Yeah, and yeah. they all are creating stories separately, so they all want to have some sort of tone or some sort of feel that's going to fit with. Um, within the confines of everybody else's story, you know, if somebody doesn't want to write some story that's completely different than what everybody else is doing. It's going to feel kind of odd and off. But since I was writing all the stories, I really didn't care. You know, I, I yeah, I can I have complete control over what's going in the book. For so sure. if I wanted to write some weird story with when the Antichrist is running for president and doing talk shows, I could do that. You know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I, and I, I I like the I like the anthology format. I I like. I like short stories. Like I think that's, but I think a lot of people do. I think yeah, that's why you look at stuff, something like Black Mirror. I mean, like the endless years of like the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits. Like these things exist for a reason. Like people love to see like a short, quick representation of something. Like I think mm -hmm. it, you know, I, Black Mirror is like an excellent example. It's one of the best shows on the planet right now. Like. Yeah. Ryan K. Lindsay has a has a great newsletter in his last installment. He was talking about one shots and whether or not uh, writing one shots was even worth it anymore because everybody wants or publishers at least they want miniseries sure. and stuff. But he said there's something ma I want I don't know if he said magical, but I'm using the word magical of consuming some sort of media that has a a um, it starts right off and then you can complete it in one sitting. You know that you're not. You're not sitting there for two hours or whatever watching a movie. Yeah, absolutely. You, so seeing that complete story all in one shot, there, there's something there's something to be said about that without having a cliffhanger or some to-be-continued that makes you go back to the store and buy the next dish. Yeah, definitely. No, no, no. And, and I, so I think in the, in the comics industry as it stands right now, 
there's definitely there's definitely like a push against it because they're relying so heavily like numerically financially on trade sales um and i will say like going back to like picking up trades from like the 90s and stuff where you have a single issue that was like not part of a larger story kind of like wedged in the middle of the trade or like at the beginning or at the end of it eh, like it kind of throws off the balance a little bit you buy a, you know let's say you buy a spider-man story it's mostly about hydro man let's say but there's like a one-off story about green goblin you know like <laughs> eh, like all right i get it but at the same time you know it, it, yeah it, it's definitely like actually one of my favorite examples of that is uh spider-man uh day in the life good trade all like all the content is good but it's like three different stories Mm-hmm. It like it's still Spider-Man, so for me, like I'm personally a completionist. I like reading stuff in order, so I had no problem with it. But I could definitely see people reading like there's the story with like the bad the bad guy, the villain, like the Spider-Man story. But there's also the story where Peter, on the anniversary of Gwen's death, goes up to the attic and records like a tape about "Hey, how you been?" And like Mary Jane <laughs> goes up in the attic and catches him, and she's like. No, I get it. I see what you're doing. It's cool. Tell t- tell Gwen I said what's up. And like that's like a whole different kind of story than the Spider-Man fights the bad guy story. Like it, it's just a different story. There's just no. But I get how people could be thrown off by that. So the the concept of wanting a complete arc, wanting a complete storyline in a trade. Uh, welcome, crawler, to the broadcast. Uh, it's it's very much. Uh, I, I get it. Like, I get where people are coming from. But like you said, there is something about picking up a single issue. And I think it worked a lot more in the past. I think it worked a, uh, like, back in, like, the olden days of comics. <laughs> uh, I think it played a lot better because because you could just pull, put, a, put a book out. I mean, that's kind of stuff, how stuff like, um, I forget what it was originally called. But the, the story that, like, created uh, Damian Wayne... Mm-hmm. Was a, was a one shot like maybe prestige format sixty four page issue? Uh, no crawler, it's definitely not supposed to have no audio. Let's switch over. Sorry, didn't realize. Crawler, how about now? Apparently, my live broadcast has no audio, but it's our first viewer, so <laughs> you still can't hear me. That is very strange. Can you hear me? I can hear. Yeah, can you hear? Can you hear anybody? <laughs> you, okay, so you can hear you. Huh. Very strange. Okay, let's turn that off. Switch to that. How about now? Mid-episode troubleshoot. Right? <laughs> Mid-episode troubleshooting. This is why I, I gotta, I gotta like, bribe people to be on... Uh, <laughs> to, to be on right at the beginning of a broadcast so I can <laughs> make sure that I've got audio. This is like this is the, this is the the caveat of live, right? Like like live, you just never you never know what's gonna happen. It's it's raw, it's real. Yeah. <laughs> what you see is what you get. How about now? 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 Yeah? No? <laughs> All right, there we go. <laughs> How you doing, crawler? Uh, today we're talking to uh, Frank Martin, writer of the Modern Testament, and uh, we're we're just debating, we're discussing comics in general. Uh, this is a new Kickstarter live. Check out the, the link below there. Uh, 
Thanks talking so. about how nobody likes one shots anymore. Yeah, nobody likes one shots anymore. But I think, but like I said, I think in the past, like the the the, the story that created Damian Wayne, son of Bruce Wayne, was was a one off, like you know, thirty two sixty four page story that came out in the eighties or early nineties, maybe, and it was just like a one shot where Bruce Wayne goes to fight Ra's al Ghul in the Middle East somewhere. He ends up having sex with Talia, and it was a like a out of continuity like. You know, it was it didn't take place after issue five hundred and forty three of Batman or anything. It was just a one off, and then mm-hmm. that later created a whole character, a whole arc of storylines. Um, same thing with like the Killing Joke. The Killing Joke, granted, it's a little bit of the bigger presentation. It's a bigger book, but at the same time, like it was a one time, like unrelated, single sitting kind of thing. And I think there, I think there's something to be said about that. I think there is. Something to be said about picking up a single book and just reading it, and it's, you know, it is what it is. You don't need to read 30 years of backstory. You don't need to know five other comics, what's happening there. It's just like, this is a story. Yeah, I'm more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy, but I always like that DC puts out those original graphic novels. They do a lot better on the the original graphic novel that have nothing to do with continuity front. I mean, Marvel tries to do that every once in a while. I also I mean, think a problem is is that when uh, when the big two try to put out a one shot, or they think it has to be like a prestige book, like it's it's just a single issue. We need to bump it up. We need to make right. it do it something special. Right. So it's a little bit longer book, and then they price it at like five ninety nine or something. And yep. something like I don't want to spend an extra three dollars for this book. So they, so that's why they don't sell as well, and I guess they don't get pushed as much. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, like you said, Mar- Marvel used to do that. There were. Like I think all the way through the '90s, even a little bit into the 2000s, uh, there was definitely some sort of prestige format or like uh, like one-offs. Like back in the day, it used to be the Marvel graphic novel series. I mean, like the New Mutants' first appearance was Marvel graphic novel. Like the, one of the greatest stories of X-Men ever told, uh, "God Loves Man Kills," was Marvel graphic novel. It was a single issue. It like worked within the universe of like you know if you were reading X-Men like. Yeah, you knew who the characters were a little more deeply, but it didn't. You didn't need to know who they were. Like you didn't need like a deep explanation. It was the main team of X Men, but it told a completely different story. It told a story that was out of continuity. Yeah, like, like later, later on in the storylines, later on in the series, they they refer to it and like there was consequences down the line. But that was kind of retconning. It was originally just a standalone story. Mm-hmm. They just uh, swamp. Tom King just had a swamp thing prestige format comic that i liked a lot so that was yeah they do they do have them every once in a while and i remember um in the early 2000s marvel's marvel did marvel knights had a, something called double shot i think yes 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 yes, yes. it was it was like a it was like a one shot except they it was two one shots put 100%, together yeah yeah it was, two it was stories i thought they were great yeah it was fantastic it was fantastic i um uh, that's why I've always liked What If. What If comics, like, the ongoing series of What If was great because you get a single issue. It's like, what if this happened? And then it's that whole story contained in one book, and that's it. I didn't love when they started in the, like, mid-2000s doing, like, hey, like, Civil War just happened. Here's a What If Civil War three-issue yeah, three miniseries. <laughs> I thought that that was kind of <laughs> weird. Uh, Crawler asks here, Crawler is our viewer right now, Crawler asks... Do, don't you think the comic model is a bit outdated as far as price and means? Um, maybe. <laughs> I think I think comics are kind of weird in that 
they put out digital comics the same time and the same price as print comics. And the only reason they don't do that is to keep comic book stores. I don't know if this answers your question, but they do that to not completely destroy comic book stores. Right. If they wanted to, they can price every single book at 99 cents and they would make an absolute killing because putting together a um, putting together a digital book is maybe a fraction of the cost of a print book. So yeah, I was actually just talking about that. That's funny. <laughs> so I don't know if that speaks to his question, the, the particular uh, point that you were trying to address. But yeah, I think that they're trying to cling to a certain type of um, status quo and the world's changing and readership is changing and publishing in general is changing. And they, I, I think that they kind of are a little bit um, behind the curve as far as what they want to do. And we've seen that a little bit because comic book sales of the industry in general has taken a little bit of a dive. Yeah, definitely. And I, so on, on the note of the, the digital versus print, I was just talking about that, like I said. Uh, there, I, I know an independent creator team, a husband and wife, uh, Comfort and Love. I don't know if you've ever met them. Uh, they create great stuff, like really good books, uh, but they put out their floppies and you know at print price, and then when they go digital on Comixology, it's ninety nine cents. Now, granted, it's it's just them. You know, there's no overhead. There's no, you know, they don't have to pay for an office space in uh, Manhattan. <laughs> like, I understand that you know a Marvel book does cost more. But I think if you if you were to go down to like the '90s, uh, what was that series? I think it was called Marvel Edge. It was ninety nine cents or a buck ninety nine. Even mm-hmm. when other books were two fifty or two ninety nine, it was you know it was a buck ninety nine. It was like the cheaper option. It wasn't on the glossy paper. I was just uh, apparently DC just recently switched back to newsprint, and I thought that was interesting because they didn't change the price. Mm-hmm. So they reduced their tra- back end cost, but they did not forward that savings to the consumer. Yeah, I remember there was a time in the 2000s when DC had a little bit of a tagline. They said, DC drawing the line. Yeah, yeah, it was 2011. Yeah, yeah, it was 2011. I remember that. They wouldn't they went raise their prices, and now they're like $4 an issue. I'm like, whatever happened to that? Guess, right. What about drawing the line? <laughs> that line got demolished pretty quickly. But I think what happened. Um, what what I what I think happened was that book sales dwindled, and they they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to make up for it. They're trying to make up for the loss of quantity by the like units. They're trying to make up for the loss of units sold by by raising the price. So the the you know it might not be two hundred guys that show up to the comic shop, but the ten guys or twenty guys that can still afford it and still want to buy singles. They're paying. They're kind of offsetting the fact that a hundred guys aren't showing up to buy a book every every week. I mean, there's there's something off about the comic book industry in general, and I know I've seen a lot of people online posting about this. That there's 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 just something that's not clicking when you have movies of these characters making billions of dollars, and the the comic books that they came from are not um, are, are going down. You know that they're not selling like they used to. There's yeah. a little bit of a disconnect there. I mean, people are, are like the stories. They like the characters. How come they're not going to the source material? There's, there's. I don't have the answer to the question, but there's definitely, it's, it's definitely a question that needs to be answered by, by someone. Yeah, definitely. I, it, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, I've thought about this. I don't know where it's gonna go in the long run. 
it's very difficult to kind of make that call because I think people are moving more to a digital format. So yeah, are there is like I think I was just talking to somebody. They said uh, DC or Marvel, one of the two, were doing digital only books for major characters. It's an interesting approach, but at the same time, like, would you still do a trade? Because I still like to have a physical copy. I just I switch to trade. I still like physical books too. I prefer I prefer holding something in my hands than reading it on a tablet. It's, it honestly, it's crazy. I so I read I read mostly on tablets. I read like my collection, but I have way more digitally. Uh, but it's it's crazy because I'll read and I'm you know I, you tap to go to the next page and then let's say three weeks of that and then I pick up a physical book and I've caught myself twice now where instead of turning the page I tap the right page and I'm just like oh boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I mean as an indie creator I love I love I'm old school I love holding a book. But the cost of printing is so expensive that as an indie creator, I just I love digital. You know, right, to be sure. able to have a digital copy, you could just send out to the world. It doesn't cost you any extra to email it. You know, but every time you print it, you got to have that hefty price tag in order just to cover the 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 existence of the book itself. Yeah, definitely. It, it's 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 real hard. I think it's it's a hard balance to strike. Um. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it'd be very interesting to to see what a what a digital only world will, world would look like. Because like, what happens at conventions? Like, what do you bring to conventions then? You know, if you're not selling books, what are you selling? <laughs> like, yeah. I have my book on this iPad. I need you. Yeah, to sign. yeah. Can you sign my iPad? <laughs> so yeah, I've also heard of um, creators kind of taking that front. They'll put their 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 library on a flash drive and they'll sell the flash drive or they'll have a um, a digital download card with with a code on it and For they'll sure. sell that yeah. and they'll they'll because that's a hell of a lot cheaper than having the print of a book so people are trying to make um switches as far as uh, trying to cut costs and be accommodating on that front but being an indie creator is a little bit of a struggle so to see how the big two reacts is people are watching yeah definitely definitely I think it'd be it'll be interesting. Um, I don't know. I still like a physical book. I like like the concept of a like a nice hardcover book to hardcover trade to like whip open. It's it's just it's a great feeling. It's really it's really hard to get away from that personally. What um, like one of my favorite books I've read is uh, the Operation Zero Tolerance run from the from '97, the X Men books. It was it's like two inches thick. Thanks for joining us, Crawler. Enjoy your rest. Um, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it, sir. Um, it, it's like two inches thick, but it, it took forever to read because it's like 25 books. <laughs> like, it was a huge run. <laughs> but, like part, like, part of it for me was the curation. I love that somebody took took the uh, the time and the energy to format a certain way. They were like, here's a page of, like, Okay, so this issue is from Generation X. And, like, before you see that, it's like, here's a quick rundown of what's been going on in Generation X so you kind of understand the context of what you're about to read. And I just, I loved the curation. Like, there, there's more to it than just, like, hey, slap the books together in a trade and send them out to shipping. Like, I dig when, when a lot of effort is put into something like that. One of my, another one of my favorites that I ever bought was, uh, I don't know if you ever met Jim Zub, 
Uh, he was uh, he was doing a bunch of his stuff through Image. Uh, he's worked with uh, I think Dark Horse, and I think recently he's worked with. Not, I think he, he works at Marvel right now, but he he is uh, he did uh, Skull Crushers. No, is that right? Skull Kickers. Skull Kickers. Skull Kickers. Uh, I bought from him. He you know it was his first book. I bought the first book. It was like this nice black hardcover. And there's just something to be said about that. Like, that is, that is, that exchange. And I was like, oh man, this is dope. And like, he told me about his journey, like, to get published through Image and like, kind of how every. So it was a really cool interaction to, mm-hmm. to go to digital from that. I don't, I don't know how you would do that. Like, yeah, could there still be trades? Of course. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's not the same kind of climb, you know, like selling, selling a, uh, a, a floppy to someone is a, I think, a harder hustle than selling a digital book. Like, there's physical spacing required. Like, you need to be able to put that somewhere. Yeah, there's there's an experience that goes with getting a a print book. A lot of times, I had a friend one time. He's uh, he said, "How come you just don't get like a subscription where you could just sit at home and it gets delivered to your house?" And I said, "Well, I actually enjoy going to the comic book store. It's a little oh, bit, yeah. of an experience, you know." It's kind of like it's like buying drugs. You get you, it's not the same as you go to drugs. It's the experience of buying from a drug dealer. <laughs> so to be even if I even if I don't have any books coming out that week that I'm going to get, which never happens, but still theoretically, I like walking up and down the aisles and just browsing all the new stuff that came out. You know, it's, it's kind of oh, yeah. the whole experience feel to it. So um, to just to, to sit at home and just go click and get my comic, it's. You're losing something there. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's a it's a different experience. Like I dig, you know, it, it'd be it, it's one of those like yeah. Could you absolutely read the books digitally and then like have nothing else to do with it? Sure, but like some of the coolest times I've had are going to a convention and talking to the creator and being like, hey, let me get that. Let me pick up this book from you, and then we talk for twenty minutes about what the book is or what's next or whatever. It's it's a whole process. I mean, I like going to my comic shop because I talk to my guy Jason, like the owner. Like that's who I talk. Like that's that's my like nerd out every couple weeks. <laughs> I go and we talk about you know TV shows. Like he watches. He hasn't caught up on Supergirl yet. I'm a little salty with him on this at this point. <laughs> like, it's on Netflix, man. Just get with for the sure. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but no, I. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a very interesting new world uh, that we're we're getting into. It's it's I don't know I don't know where where we're gonna go with it as far as long term, but right now we're gonna definitely be getting this uh, trade paperback. Uh, we've got about what fourteen fifteen more days of the Kickstarter. Uh, it ends on the twenty eighth, so I think thirteen. So thirteen more days. Uh, I'm yep. going to be putting this up a little early. Usually, I put the audio and video a week after the live broadcast, but we'll put it, we'll, we'll put this up definitely this week, uh, so we can get that get that kind of information out there. If you have not gone to ModernTestamentKickstarter.com yet, please do support the book. If you can't support it, share it. Let's get the word out there. Let's get the let's get the next uh, tiers. Have you hit the goal yet? I had. It was a thousand dollar goal. I I just passed two thousand. So I'm, uh, I'm, I was psyched about that. We hit our goal on the first day, but we're still rocking and rolling. And I got a, I got kind of a rolling stretch goal. Nice. So my plan was uh, every $150 after the goal, I was going to offer up a new, or an, I shouldn't say a new, another 
number one that was that was part of Insane Comics. Mm-hmm. So I'm even though Insane Comics is gone, all the creators still uh, still said, "Yeah, this is cool. Let's do it." So I got a whole bunch of books that um, that are able. I'm going to have a whole package of books that are, of digital books that people are going to be able to read. It's going to be the, like the last chance to get all the Insane Comics titles in one place. So I'm getting close to approaching the next stretch goal, which would be. This the the seventh the seventh insane comics title so dope dope I like it it's uh it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of value it's a lot of value what's yeah. my so, forget what my yeah all the once I guess once the Kickstarter's over all these creators are gonna kind of go their separate ways so this is like like I said the last chance to get a little sampler of what insane comics had and to follow these people on their their post insane comics journey dope. Dope. We should, y'all should do like a, I should do like a insane omnibus, like all of all of the all of the formerly insane books. I like it. I like, I like the idea. Just get 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 that little bit of extra cash out of it, you know. <laughs> we'll try. We'll we'll try. All right, Frank. Thank you so much for joining us. I am super excited. I'm gonna be. Re- it, it, it reads super quick. I love like like we talked about. You know, the short story format is very nice because it reads super quick. I mean, I think I read those two in like ten minutes. Like, because it, it just it flows very quickly, and mm-hmm. I, I dig it. So I'm very excited to to go through and finish this up. And, thank you. Uh, can't wait for for my physical copy to come through. I appreciate that. Thanks. My pleasure. For those watching in the future, make sure you check out the links on screen or in the below description. Those listening in the future, uh, make sure you check out moderntestamentkickstarter.com. Thank you again, Frank, for joining us. Thank everyone for watching and listening. And uh, we'll see you guys and talk to you guys in the next one.